Well, hello there. Welcome to Talking with Tigglesworth. My name is RJL Tigglesworth, and I'm at your service. If you want to contact us, info at freedomwithintherapy.com, Twitter at vet underscore therapist, and Facebook at Freedom Within LLC. Mike and I are so glad you joined us today for this episode of Talking with Tigglesworth. You have a good day now, yo. Well, hello there, and welcome to the podcast. Mike and I are so glad you joined us today for another episode of Talking with Tigglesworth. And we are going to be talking to Erica from California, who is an MFT. And we will be talking about veterans, women veterans issues, and anything that we can discuss that may help out women in the future, in their service in the military, and then when they get out of the military. Let's start from here, and I'm going to introduce Mike. Mike, where you at? Well, hello there, Colonel. And today we're going to be talking with Erica from California. And she is a therapist out there. She's working in private practice. He is a Navy veteran. We're going to talk to her and we're going to talk about what's important to her to get out over the air. And we're going to have a good conversation and go from there. And so as we always talk about self-care, Mike's got something to report. I uh, I sold the boat last night, so fishing is on land again, and so that's what self care has been—just fishing, getting ready to go get some um, catfish this this weekend, and maybe some sockeye and stuff like that. And then we're taking a week off in the baseball, so we're not playing this weekend. We had a tournament last weekend, and the North Shore Braves. If you want to support us at North Shore Braves on Facebook, on Twitter, it has Braves twenty on Twitter. We will sure connect with you. So. Let me introduce Erica and ask her about her experience and her self-care regimen and what she's doing to take care of herself out there in California. So Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it. No problem. So what do you do in California for self-care? Well, um, I live about 10 minutes away from the beach. So I go out there and I practice the mindfulness at times. I live in an area that um, has a lot of things to do. So go for walks, just enjoy the sunshine, go outside. You know, it's it's always really nice out here, not too hot and not too cold. So uh, depending on my mood, um, I just, um, you know, that's what I do. I, I go to the beach. <laughs> go to the beach. Good. Tell us what interests you about talking to myself and the colonel and and, and getting on a podcast like this and just kind of getting your voice out there to the, the millions and millions of people that might hear this. Uh, <laughs> what, what interests you in doing that? So my, my main interest um, has always been um, veterans, veteran care. Um, it did begin with just general veterans. I served from 2000 to 2006. The first uh, two years of my service were overseas. Um, I happened to be overseas when 9-11 happened. And so a lot of mental health issues began um, from, you know, uh, service members that were, um, you know, called to go serve um, out there in the uh, what we call the sandbox. Right. <laughs> and so I Myself was a um, MA, which is a police officer. Um, I was asked to go stand on post. And also I was um, bomb inspecting. That was one of the things that I did. And so doing that, you know, I realized that there was a lot of um, my fellow, um, you know, friends and colleagues, soldiers that weren't really um, handling things well. And there was just a lot of um, domestic violence, drinking, you know, things to cope really. And so, you know, that kind of put me down a path of when I got out, what could I do? In the meantime, I was going through my own struggles. So, you know, getting out as a woman at that time, I got out in 2006. um, There wasn't very many options or things for me. So in 2008, I decided that I wanted to get a degree in psychology. And so I you know, got my degree, uh, my bachelor's degree. Here in the state of California, it's a little tricky. You need to be licensed. And that's not something that I really knew at the moment. So um, then I began my next journey, which was to get my my graduate, you know, my master's degree. So 
that really took me down. What do I really want to do? What do I want to accomplish? And my heart has always been for veterans. They mean so much to me. My my family, I have um, on my on my mother's side, it, I have a few Purple Heart recipients. My cousins, my uh, cousin, my female cousins, husbands, Marines, Army, uh, Navy on my dad's side. So my 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 family is a military family. Uh, wanting to help them, wanting to help women um, has been a challenge, uh, to say the least, because there's not a lot of, um, not that there's not voices, there's just not a lot of support. Now that there's not a lot of support, what is your focus in, in your practice? I know you're working in a private practice. What is your focus so so it's not my private practice. I work for someone else. And since I am still um, an intern, um, my focus uh, as an intern is uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, I would like to pursue more uh, dial- dialectical behavioral therapy in order to help uh, veterans. I do see a lot of women. Um, I do see a lot of people, but they're not veterans, which is really interesting because I live between the two largest bases here. I live five minutes away from MBBC, which um, they're enormous. They're enormous. And and not one time in almost 20 years that I've been here, have I seen any program, anything really geared toward women veterans. Our centralized um, hospital is two hours south of me, which is Wilshire. And another one that's uh, Sepulveda. So resources um, are slim for people out here. We have to drive down there. So my focus is, you know, how do we get these resources to women that are, are, are challenged right now out here? Myself being one of them, um, you know, struggling with different, you know, issues or whatever. Trying to get on the phone with somebody is a nightmare absolute nightmare and um you know they have improved on the wait times i have to say that much but when it comes down to therapy within itself i i did my own research and i did um go to therapy and so as you and i know that therapy works when it's uh, on a consistent basis and you know when two people are engaged in things and so going once a month is not enough not enough for a regular male veteran and not enough for a female veteran. And so that's the way the system works right now. It is basically going once a month. And I don't think that anybody that has PTSD or is suffering from another mental health issue is going to be able to get treated properly with just once a month treatment. I mean, unless you've heard of a different type, but <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I agree. Once a month is, is it's, it's too spread out. I, I, you know, I have my own private practice and I contract with the VA. So I see veterans on a daily basis uh, through the, the Optum CCN network where I, I typically get them in once every week, once every other week, depending on their schedule as well. And um, I use, I use a lot of EMDR, which is really helpful for, um, for trauma and for anxiety and just, just desensitizing those memories. Um, I used to use a lot of CBT and TFCBT, but once I learned EMDR, it kind of opened the doors for me. So Ian, I would, I would encourage any, any clinician EMDR is, um, is a strong tool to have in your toolbox. Um, if you can, but but what about, so what what you're referring to, I think is, is going to the actual VA or a VA clinic and getting once a month services because they're trying to fit everybody else in. Do you notice out there by you that they are offering the, the choice program or, or the community care program or anything like that, where you can go off post to a, to a civilian provider? So it, it has to be approved. That That's one thing. And I'm not sure about the approval rate at this moment. I don't have any um, any uh, numbers. I don't know if you have any numbers for out here for California, if it's working or not, if they're able to uh, go out. But it still it does have to be approved. I've used community care for something else. And um, luckily, my my uh primary doctor there was very helpful 
So I don't know if it's, you know, just like a gamble for some people, you know, maybe they get good community care and maybe they don't. I don't have the the statistics on that yet, but I'm hoping that 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 something will come of it soon. Um, Now, you said you contracted. So that's kind of a lane that that I wanted to explore. But for women. So my 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 thoughts are, you know, women's resources Um, back in 2006, when I first, you know, started with this VA system, um, you know, everything was done by myself. I follow a group called the MST claim, military sexual trauma. And, um, you know, I'm definitely not going to give any names out or anything like that, but there's thousands of women on this Facebook page who, who say that they're not getting the treatment that they need, you know, that they are falling by the wayside because the way the VA um, sees PTSD is more geared toward combat veterans, but they don't realize that uh, uh, MST is one thing, right? But there's also other traumatic things that happen to women. There's miscarriages, abortions, stillbirths, things that have to do with women's, um, um, you know, cycles, things like that, you know, uh, abuse, uh, domestic violence abuse, you know, which I got to witness firsthand being a police officer that it is rampant. Um, and there's a lot of um, information on intimate partner violence, if that's something that you want to investigate further. But so these are things that are geared towards women, you know, and I'm even to this day, I'm still not hearing much about it. MST has kind of came to the forefront because of the what happened to Vanessa Guillen out in Texas. So it kind of landed on the national spotlight. It had that not happened, and it is extremely unfortunate. But had that not happened, I don't think it would have been uh, pushed as quickly as it should have been done years ago. So uh, landmark today, though, Supreme Court said that military sexual trauma is there's no uh, cap on that uh, rape cases. You know, if there's anything that there's no uh, limit to when you can um, when you can disclose or stuff. So that's a win, you know. And it, and it needs to come out more. And 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 I feel like, you know, uh, having these resources for women veterans would would help on on a larger scale. Helping these women with their mental health issues. Uh, we are a very small population. Right. There's homelessness. There's lack of job security. There's whatever you want to call it. There's uh, child care issues. There's all kinds of issues that women veterans, they go through that are not looked at, you know, through a mental health lens. Why are so many female veterans homeless right now? You know, if it's not, if it's not combat PTSD, what is it? Is it sexual trauma? Is it, you know, what's going on? Why are they homeless? Why are they committing suicide? Much larger rates. If it's not combat PTSD, what is it? It is military sexual trauma. It is not being able to find housing, despair, depression, you know. So all of these things are very important and they need to be addressed. No, I totally agree. And I I wonder if it's regional because I believe when I was when I was stationed in Washington, and um, I started going to the VA out there at the American Lake. I, I thought they had a specific clinic for uh, MST. One clinic in the entire area. Yeah, it's not enough. I think they. I think that I used to hear that term a lot up there, the, the MST clinic. But you're right because even if we look away from the military, if we even if we look into the civilian world, the the prevalence of PTSD is more common in the civilian world. And it is a lot of the ways it is common is through rapes and, and sexual assaults and, and domestic violence. And so you would think that that would carry along into the military world with with females and, and being around the military and just <clears throat> their experiences of serving. And a lot of times being very few females in a unit with many males, you know, the the the, the odds of something happening probably are very increased. And so 
I do agree that the the MST portion is is total trauma. And 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 as you said, you you named off a. a a myriad of ways of that it is trauma, whether it's a physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, you know, abortions, miscarriages, all those things. So what do you say to the, to the clinics that you see when you interact with them as a clinician, if you can interact with the VA clinics, what do you, what do you see is the barrier there for, for females getting the care? I think that there is still a, not, I don't want to use the word discriminatory. It's more that the VA still hasn't moved past, you know, that there are more women that need their care and they just don't know how to handle it. There's nobody, you know, maybe on their boards, maybe there's not enough women on their boards or something to that effect where they're not getting the information straight from women veterans. It's kind of like, we'll just pluck something out (laughs) and hope it works. And that's my experience that, you know, I've gone to VA clinic and I'm just looking at this board and I'm like, okay, group for men, group for men, groups for men. Okay. Where's the groups for women? Mm. Where are they? Oh, they're co-ed. Okay. No, we don't, we don't want co-ed. We want women just to be able to be speak uh, their mind or their feelings without a, a man there. And that's basically what it boils down to, because if we're talking about, you know, sexual trauma, whether it's male or female, maybe the males aren't comfortable with females being there and them telling them their experiences, you know, so um, I don't, I don't want to just make it about men and women, but at this for this topic, it is about, you know, why don't women have the same amount of help resources? You know, I am actually a peer I have a, a peer support uh, certification and um, I got that through uh, VA Long Beach. And um, so they have peer to peer specialists, which basically cuts out all the red tape if you're an MFT because it doesn't you don't have to have like there's certain rules in place and there's a lot of them but uh, but either way say you're a, a, a peer and I'm just talking to you like a regular person I'm going to take you out and go places and you know try my best to help you with you know your housing or whatever needs that you need if you have a woman who has experienced uh, any kind of sexual trauma do you believe that that woman wants to be alone with a with a peer male driving around and, and, and you know, there's just I don't see the connection. So it would deter women to want to come and use this peer to peer support specialist. They can't. They won't. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. re-traumatizing, possibly, you know, so that's not going to work. We need more peer to peer. Me and my friend. um, Dion, we're the only two females in this in this uh, group of people that graduated with that peer-to-peer specialist certification. And we live up here. We're not in Long Beach. We're in Oxnard, which is like two and a half hours north. So if a woman who wanted to join our group, how would they get here? You know, what, what would they do? So it's very straining. Sounds like it. And, and, and I think maybe, and I don't know if this is a, a, a true answer for you, but I think my theory is this, as you're saying that, what I'm thinking is my theory is from my experience, and, I, and I've been contracted with VA both in Washington State and here in Louisiana. From my experience, a lot of the, the contractors um, or, or, or people that hold the, the credential to be accepting the VA uh, insurance in my experience, and there's very few guys um, in therapy overall, right? There's more women therapists than there's men therapists. Right. Um, but from my experience, there's more men therapists except in the VA than there's women therapists. And and maybe that's the disconnect there is that maybe some women therapists, they don't maybe necessarily see the need or know about the need that female veterans have that maybe the female veterans would get weekly care or biweekly care at a, at a private facility um, if they were able to find a female therapist within that network. And, and that's a longer conversation of letting, letting the profession know 
um, this is a contract that's available. Why don't you try to get credentialed with it? Correct. And 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 there again is the is the red tape here in California is that, you know, I'm an AMFT. I'm I'm under supervision, right? From from my supervisor. So I can practice under his license until I get right, you know, licensed myself. However, VA here will not let you uh, work for VA unless you're fully licensed. And then they want extra things that you, you should know and other kind of education or some of the ones that I've seen are all doctors. They're not social workers. They're not LMFTs. Occasionally, you'll see on uh, usajobs.gov. Um, I've been looking for years myself because that's something I want to do. The um, Here, it's not something you can do. So there are people out there who want to help veterans in the VA system, but cannot because they're lacking something. So then they're like, well, maybe I'll, I can go out and, and like you do all your private practice and, and, you know, help veterans that way. But the, the main thing is people want to see VA do this. You know, for some reason, they just want that more. They're more comfortable and they don't really know that there's resources out in town, which is another issue. Prevent them from going, because one thing is, is that they have this taboo that if they go, they're going to lose their job. They're going to get kicked out. So then that just transfers over once they get out. How is this going to affect my life if I if I see a therapist, you know? Yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a thought because as a therapist, um, I, I I often thought when I was going through grad school, if I go to the VA for counseling, how is that going to look to the VA if I try to contract with them later on, knowing that they they may or may not you know take a peek at okay we well we know he's a vet let's see what's in his records. I'm not saying it would happen, but I'm not saying that I, I believe that it wouldn't either. Um, so what I chose to do is I just chose to go private and pay pay out of pocket for my own counseling uh, while I was in grad school. Because we had to do, I don't know what, what university you went to. I went, I graduated from Chapman University and we had to uh, do 20 hours of, of personal counseling um, mm-hmm. before we could get our graduate degree. And so I, I chose to just take that 20 hours and, and go in the private market and pay for it myself. That was one of the fears is, is how... How is it going to be seen? Maybe the recruitment needs to be different for new therapists coming in and maybe the restrictions. And part of the restrictions, I think, is is the unions, right? The 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 social workers union is so, so strong in the VA system that they they limit some of these other opportunities for other other uh, professions. Um, like MFT or or like an LMHC or an LPC or whatever it's called in California, because they're so focused on social work. Because I think it's a lack of a lack of understanding. I also think it's a lack of the MFT um, union or the MFT profession speaking up. Because to be an MFT, mm-hmm. you need more education and more more internship than you do for an LPC or and it, and it's right up there with the social workers. You need you know. 3000 hours of postgrad work and and so many hours of family therapy and so many hours of individual therapy. So I think that the the MFT association uh, needs to be more vocal within the the federal system. I agree. I definitely agree. I think the MFT unions or whatever they're called um definitely need to step up in in a lot of areas. Um but you're right. Uh, and and to be honest with you, I didn't know that what you just said about the social worker um, having such a tight grasp on on VA, I was not aware of that. But now that you've made me aware, I'm definitely going to look into it. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's and it's something that's been there. Because if you look at those USA Job reports, a lot of times it does say social worker, um, but it will it will not it will not include LMFT or or some of the other degrees. <laughs> peer support, I, I agree. I've, I've known some peer support people. I think you're right on with that. If if a veteran is uncomfortable with who their peer support person would be, then that's another barrier. So when we look for solutions, right, because as they said in the Army, you know, if you have a complaint, come with a solution. Um, if not, then keep thinking until you get a solution. So what would you say is it more is it and, you know, with more money comes more wasteful spending, it seems like. But what 
what is some ideas to lift some of these barriers that you have? Um, well, it would be really good. And my mind is like, I've been, I've been thinking about this for so many years is there is like, um, you know, we have national platforms to help people with claims and we have, you know, we have DAV, we have uh, national suicide prevention. We need a national women's resource for veterans. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not that many and many women are kind of like from the ones I speak to, they're very reclusive. A lot of people don't even know they're veterans. I mean, the only time we come out really <laughs> is on Veterans Day when we're going to go get our meals, you know, and even then it's kind of embarrassing because they're like, oh, are you the wife? Right. Yeah. So things like that. Right. So we need to make it more uh, national that, you know, expand our horizons and say, hey, women veterans are here. We need help. We need a national something to get this ball rolling with resources for women, which, whether it's ads, whether it's, you know, uh, other community members, other people such as yourself, you know, just talking about it, you know, thank you again for giving me this platform. This is helpful. You know, we, we need that. Now with Zoom, you know, it, it, it dawned on me that, you know, as because I am an AMFT, but I'm also peer-to-peer, uh, you know, certified. So it could be that I can begin something, somewhat of a group or whatever via Zoom um, to help these women. Um, I don't know, of course, how all the ins and outs of how to get that started, but, you know, it's a start. It's a starting point. Um, here, in, here in Oxnard, our Congresswoman began a women's task force. So there, there are people that that are are getting the ball rolled, you know, very slowly. But I would like something on a national level to get these women to come and to get help. They need it. Yeah, yes. like an association of women's veterans or something like that. You know, that's correct. Just- that could be something good. Uh, yeah, because you're right, because they do have a lot of uh, they have the PTSD Association. They have the Purple Heart Association and um, all kinds of other associations. But, yeah, you're right. I've never heard of a specific women's type association to help. And, and maybe people that specialize in MST type claims. Right. Like because, you know, the VA, it's the language. Everything is the language. And so if you if you write down that, you know, both sides of your back hurts, you get denied. But then if you write down bilateral, oh, all of a sudden you're approved, right? So it's it's the language. And so somebody that specializes in, in that could really be helpful for, for, for female veterans. Absolutely. Um, and, and there's so many amazing women um, that I've encountered that had I not encountered them by chance, really, um, you know, I wouldn't have had the courage to go and do my claims for whatever I needed. They did tell me about the language. There's a, there's a lot of women out here who are, you know, doing their best individually um, to help. And you're right. I believe that if there was uh, somebody that could help with the language, you know, that would be helpful. There's many women on this MST group that I follow. They're on the verge of, of suicide. You know, mm-hmm. they post this is it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of here. It's yeah. so discouraging to hear that because they're they're They weren't they felt like they weren't heard, you know, like their claim didn't mean anything. And they went through this really terrible thing and they're out there with them. Yeah. You know, that's, so that's, that's a shame. And I see it with male veterans in the sense where they can they continue to try to push it through, push it through, push it through and it doesn't happen. Right. Mm hmm. And so it, it's it's a huge issue. And, and, and a lot of my podcasts are dedicated towards just talking about what the VA needs to do to be different. And I think one of the issues is that, and I said this in a previous podcast, um, I think it was the last one I did with, with Dr. G. If you see one VA, you see one VA, right? They're not, um, they're not as alike as you, you want them to be. So for example, in in Washington, personally, when I was there, and I and I have a lot of you know injuries and stuff, and 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 you know, I was in, I was in the uh, the initial invasion push in Iraq, and 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 like you, I was out of the country when nine eleven happened. I was in Korea actually. They would give me certain medications in Washington freely, and then as soon as I got to Louisiana and transferred my care down here, the first thing they did was take me off of all those medications, and um, every VA is kind of operated 
almost like its own entity. You don't know what to expect sometimes. And even clinic to clinics, like if I go to the New Orleans VA, um, I'm being told or directed one way, but if I go to the little clinic that's near my house, uh, it's a whole different idea in treatment plan. The coordination of the VAs and whoever's up at the top in, in D.C., they need to make it like a damn Chick-fil-A, right? Where, you know, when you go to Chick-fil-A in California or you go to Chick-fil-A in Louisiana or in Florida, you know what's on that menu and you know the quality they expect and you know what, what what's it going to taste like. And I think that's what the VA needs to be like. I agree. I agree that that, that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it does need to be more fluid care across the board for, for all veterans, um, is an issue, you know, that is a stressor, you know, they don't know what they're going to get. It's kind of just pick up, you know, pick something out of the box and that's what you get. And it's really terrible to hear, you know, that veterans aren't being treated properly. And then you hear, Oh, well, I had a great experience and you're just like, okay, I wish that I had that same experience. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. They need to make it a little bit more cohesive. (laughs) And I've said it before, in my experience, I think that the the line, the line staff, like the PAs and and the MDs, I think in the nurses, I think a lot of them really want the best for the veteran that they're sitting in front of. I really believe that. Um, I believe that the bureaucracy is such that it prevents them from necessarily doing that. Uh, for example, in my case, I had a I had a doctor who who finally diagnosed something that I was that I knew was an issue, and he had a treatment plan developed, and and the treatment plan was proven to work based off the research, and um, and and I, and I think I said it before, the treatment plan was to give me some Botox to get rid of my headaches. And so then he said, but I can't I can't give that to you at the VA. He said, I could do it in my own practice when I used to have that, but I can't do it at the VA. So I got to I got to refer you to neurology. And then when I went up to neurology, which is like two floors above, they said, oh, no, we don't think that's the right treatment for you here. Take all these pills first. And so now I'm back to square one, whereas I thought I had a resolution and apparently I didn't. So I think the bureaucracy of that, whereas if a doctor is able in his own clinic to, to to administer something, a medicine or an injection or a shot, the VA should still, you know, go by that same that same understanding. That, okay, this guy or this lady is qualified to do this. Uh, let's let them do this instead of having another level of bureaucracy. Because it wasn't like I just went upstairs. It was another appointment, which was another mm-hmm. couple of months to be right. told, no, that's not going to work. Let's start you over again. And that's right. the frustrating. And I think that's where veterans give up, both male and female, is, is that... Mm-hmm. They wait for this appointment. Maybe they have to make arrangements. Maybe they got to get a ride. Maybe they got to catch a bus. Maybe they got to, like in my case, I, I drive about an hour to get to the VA and I got to cross, I got to cross the lake, which is, uh, I'm crossing the longest continuous bridge in the world, which is 23.9 miles one way. So it's a hassle to get there. Right. And then, and then to go there and have the 15 minute appointment to be told, come take these pills and come back in a month or two. that's discouraging for people, especially if someone didn't have the resource to just get in this car and go. Imagine somebody from my area having to get there somehow. And then that that's very frustrating. What do you, what do you think about that? Absolutely. Um, I had, you know, to take time off to go, it's a whole day event really, because you, as you know, LA traffic is LA traffic. (laughs) So getting down to, you know, it takes about two hours to get down there to Wilshire. And then it's, you know, obviously the parking, obviously, you know, and it's it's enormous. Try to find where you're going. I mean, it's huge. I don't know if you've ever seen it, um, Mm -hmm. but in person it's enormous. Um, and same thing, I, I had an appointment one time and I'll never, never forget it. Okay. I I went up there, my appointment was supposed to be, you know, at 12. I get there, it's about 10 o'clock because you know I'm getting ahead of the traffic in LA and I, I just don't want to fuss with it. So I'm sitting there waiting. And there's a, a elderly gentleman, you know, he's in his scooter, he's probably like 90 years old you know, his World War II hat and everything. So I know who who he is. He told me he's been sitting there since 
seven o'clock in the morning waiting for somebody to attend him. And I was exhausted waiting and driving, you know, from here to there. And then after they saw me, because they were delayed, right, of course, um, I didn't get back home till almost five or six in the evening. I don't know when this when this man was seen, but he was so upset and I don't blame him because he probably had to get up even earlier, you know? And so you're absolutely right. There's just not something good about having to travel so far, having to deal with sitting there and being uncomfortable. And, you know, it's, it's a mess and, and it needs to change, especially for the elderly. I sympathize with them so much. They're just, they don't deserve that treatment. They deserve like head of the line, like a D, like DMV, where you just, you know, you're handicapped and you just go through the line. And that's what it should be like for them. They should just go ahead, have their own line and, <laughs> you know, deal with us youngsters a little bit differently, you know, but, but you're right. They, it's, it's a, it's a hassle. There you go. That that would be a good thing. The um and and I've said this before, and I this 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 particular comment that I'm about to say has caused so many people to message me and like, I don't know if it was fear or I don't know if it was just them not understanding the point or if 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 I'm just if I'm just out of my mind here. Um, but I really think about for this these situations making. Um, splitting the VA into being um, and having the ability to be more privatized as far as the the veteran. So in your scenario, for if you're wanting to go for, say, a neurology appointment, that you would have a, a little VA card that you could just bring to to your local hospital or your local clinic and the VA would still cover the care. And it was still going to your VA records, but that you're only traveling 15 minutes as opposed to two hours. And we know civilian hospitals, civilian clinics have an incentive to see you and have an incentive to stay on schedule so they can see all the patients that day. And they have an incentive to help you get better because they rely on word of mouth to keep their clinics open. Whereas the VA, they're going to be there. They got endless amount of government funds going there, they're going to be there. And so what I, what I would say is that if people want to use the VA, great. But if people want to have like a private option, treat the VA insurance like a private insurance and then have those people just use that insurance to go to uh, the care wherever they want to go to. What do you think about that? So I think in a sense, they're kind of dipping their pinky toe already in that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the bridge. So you know, if you can't get your med medication, sometimes VA, for me personally, there's times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I forgot to order my medication, you know, and I need it like today. <laughs> so I'll call VA and I'm like, can you do a bridge for me? So basically what they'll do is they'll give me a uh, prescription. I'll pick it up and I'll take it to the local whomever and they'll give me my medication. So I don't have to wait to go to VA, make an appointment, get my pills. I don't have to do that. Another thing is, um, I'm not sure if you're current on it, but say you have a service-connected disability and that sends you to the hospital. So VA will pick up the tab on your care there. If it's an emergency, there's like a 48-hour window. So if you, you know, we'll just pretend and say you're diabetic and you go in there and you, you're suffering from some kind of diabetic uh, issue. Um, you call VA, VA will handle it, handle the bill and, um, you know, other things. So I, I feel like they're, they've already started a, a little bit of that. They're not calling it that, but it sounds like they're testing things here and there. You know, yeah. I don't know what, what you think about that, but that's kind of my thoughts of, you know, working with the civilian sector, you know, they could easily say, well, you know what? I know you're a diabetic, but hey, you have to drive two hours to Wilshire to go to the hospital or drive to Sepulveda to go to the hospital. No, uh -huh. I, I don't think that that's going to work. And maybe that's why they did it this way to where oh, any person can go to their local hospital and get treated for something that, you know, is service connected and get the help that they need. 
So I did know about I didn't know about the bridge. That's that's new to me. I I never heard about the bridge. I did I do know about if it's an emergency that you right. can go to the emergency. But I I was thinking more of like routine care, right? So if oh, if, so if if care. you had to go for if you had to go because you had an ingrown toenail and the VA was going to take off your toenail, you know, go to the local clinic, have your little VA card, and the VA pays for it like like normal. And if you had private insurance, you could use your private insurance as well. And the VA would cover the rest just to kind of cut out some of those barriers. Because the research shows, just like in community policing, the research shows in community community care where where you're you're you are going to the to the places where your neighbors go to. You're going to the places where uh, where your neighbors may work. You feel more comfortable. Right. And, and, and I think community care. Um, is something that is another way for them to dip their toe into that. I, I'm a recipient of community care um, because I was not satisfied with my VA care, you know, and I've been in the VA care system for a long time. Um, and when this opportunity came up, I thought, yeah, let's, you know, let's try it out to see how it goes. And I, I think it's fabulous. You know, I think that if I can get the care that I feel I deserve, um, then great. You know, and so, yeah, I think that 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 is uh, something to look into privatizing. I don't know. People do get kind of upset with the word privatizing. (laughs) I don't know if privatizing. I mean, it's already privatized. Really, we kind of already work in that type of system where we we see VA going to community care and if it's just an, a branch or extension of it i don't see a problem with it you know what i mean as soon enough i'm pretty sure it's going to go to what you're what you're talking about i think these little like um you know things if you notice they all have that thread of let's step out of the line let's see what happens let's test it you know the government is always about testing things does this work does it not work before they roll out something large so In a way, I think that's a a good way to do it, you know, um, see if it works, see if it helps get get some numbers and see the satisfaction of a veteran. So, you know, we can't expect things to change if we don't allow them to change. You know, I I agree there. And I think I think you're right in that sense where community care is a good test model. And from from my experience, community care currently is 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 only. Um, in certain areas. So I've used community care for chiropractic and I've used community care for um, like uh, steroidal shots. And, and, and I think the difference that I would describe would be community care in those senses where I was getting treatment, I was getting results, but they cut me off because they gave me 12 sessions. And so if the model that I was talking about, like I could always go to that chiropractor and use it as like a private insurance, then I wouldn't have another six month gap in my pain uh, treatment waiting for the VA to cut another authorization. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so and, I, and it's a longer conversation. And I know the government is paying for it either way. And that was my point. Maybe the private sector would save the government money because the private sector is all about streamlining stuff. So for me, uh, as a private therapist, I'm all about trying to save money and get the, get the, uh, the same product. And so I will, I will shop, for example, my microphone, I will shop around to find a good microphone for the podcast and for my practice. When I do my telehealth, the government and from the military and any of the government agencies that you've ever been a part of, they will just buy what's there regardless of the price. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, I think it's just more streamlined and we could save more money treating veterans and give veterans a better sense of care if it was more privatized in that sense. And then, you know, people could go to, to the V if they wanted to. And I think the way this relates is to women veterans is that because veterans are so spread out and, and maybe women veterans are not as, um, keen on going to the VA, maybe that's the stigma in itself, just them going to the VA, like you said. So maybe if they could just walk into their local clinic, that might encourage more women veterans to go get the help if they know, hey, I'm going to go see Dr. John as opposed to the VA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so hopefully, you know, um, maybe that that um, what you're talking about, uh, awareness of it will help 
you know, bring about more change in those areas for 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 all veterans, you know, uh, and and for for anybody that needs the help, they can go and get it versus trying to, like you say, drive 23 miles on that bridge. When you when you said that, my brain was just like, oh, my God, it, that sounds so scary. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. You'll see it. It's uh, if you Google the causeway uh, over like Pontchartrain, it will, it will show up and it's you see it from space. It's a long it's a long bridge and it's, okay. you know, two ways. You, you go there and you come back the other way. But so before we start to wrap this up, I want you to tell me, hey, what is if there's a female veteran listening to this and they, and they have a lot of them. I get emails from people. Um, if there's a female veteran listening to this or if there's a male veteran listening to this, that maybe his spouse uh, is a female veteran and, and and they're having some they're needing some help somewhere along the line. Where's the first place that you think that they they could reach out to, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a whether it's a, a national organization or whether it's a um, the VA itself, like for 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 females with mental health struggles right now that are female veterans where would you point them first if they if they said hey i need some help today good question and i'm glad you brought up uh, the dual of a veteran because i am my husband is also a veteran so <laughs> and um trying to find um good quality um mental health care you know i would probably not refer them to va in in, in this current state right now I would probably refer them to somebody in private practice. And that's just being completely honest. The the problem with that is, of course, can that person afford it? Because it's not cheap here in California. If you don't have insurance, you're looking at about $230 a session. So finding a community place that accepts sliding scale for, for more affordability I would say look for something that that you're comfortable with. Look for a person that you're comfortable with. You know, it it could be a hit and miss a few times because maybe you're not clicking with your therapist and it's happened. I'm sure you've had that that situation. I've had that situation. So it's common. You know, just um, really, if you can do your research, you know, before you walk into anything, because. You, you don't know, you know, what, what you might be getting yourself into. Be prepared, you know, ask questions. Um, if you do choose to go to VA, be an advocate for yourself. Tell them your needs immediately. Tell them your symptoms. Say, hey, you know what? I'm not comfortable with a male therapist right off the bat or other way around. If you're a male, you don't want to feel no better because they'll, they'll, they'll give you whoever they have. If there's a specialty, you know, that, that you want you know, whether it's like you said, EMDR, uh, CBT, uh, whatever the case may be, do your research on that. What What do you need? What are your needs? You know, and, and advocate for yourself always. Uh, that is one thing that I've learned through this uh, entire VA system is that you must be your advocate. And sometimes you need to be assertive. You need to really talk about what your what your needs are. And, and, and go for it. You know, I don't know of any local numbers here other than the resources like Wilshire and Sepulveda. That's who we are out here, Long Beach. Um, to be honest with you, I think VA Long Beach does a little bit of a better job and that's just me. <laughs> I've been out there. You know, though, though, that's what that's what I would do. You know, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have started my, my mental health um, care um, in private practice with somebody, you know, um, else. If there's a place out there that has more resources, which um, out here, it's more child-based resources where I live versus adult. There are people that um, specialize here in PTSD. And if you feel like that's something that you need care in, you might not be diagnosed at the time, but you might have symptoms. Try to find somebody who specializes in that maybe might might be easier for you. Yeah, that makes sense. So one one national organization that I know, and, and I partner with them a little bit on the male side, uh, but they have they have female specific programs too, is uh, the Wounded Warrior Project, and uh, they have a thing called Project Odyssey where they I, I I go out and be the therapist for the male retreats, and I do some couples retreats with them as well. But they do have female only retreats where they they talk about 
the issues that that the particular females that are on that retreat are dealing with. And they use the uh, the acceptance commitment therapy model for that. And so if 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 that maybe helps some of your female veterans, if you come across any or if any listening, and I don't have any affiliation with with Wounded Warrior Project other than that I do the retreats for them at times. Um, that's something maybe to look into the Project Odysseys. And and I I just see it's a good program. So the, before we close out, I always like to give people an opportunity to give a shout out to a veteran's business. If you know of any in the area, or if you know any uh, nationally, do you know any veteran's businesses that you want to give a shout out to? Even if it's like Uncle Johnny's Garage. Oh. <laughs> um, do I know any veteran's businesses? Um... Unfortunately, I don't right now. But either way, I would I would like to give a shout out to it's not a business, but I I really want to thank our local congresswoman for for getting that women's task force uh, started. It's going to take a while. I understand to get things going. But, you know, um, I'm just grateful that somebody took the initiative somewhere here to 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 go and do that you know for women's veterans specifically also to to the uh, to the women that are listening out there you know um i just want to say you know that you guys are very brave and that you deserve good care and to advocate for yourself um and if you can't find anybody you know to depending on you know your circumstances to speak up you know speak up for others call your local uh, officials and things like that. They they do listen. And I think that that's why the Congresswoman was um, able to get her thing started because she listened coming to meetings and things like that um, for local chapters and, and visiting VA facilities, things like that. So they're listening just have to to to, you know, speak, speak up. Good. Well, I'm glad you gave that shout out. Do you want to say her name? Oh, Congresswoman Julia Brownlee. Okay, so if, if she's listening, I don't know if she ever listens, but if she listens, then good job doing what you're doing and keep that up. And um, I want to thank you again for being a part of the show. And hopefully maybe in the future we can connect and, and, and further explore some of these topics. Uh, if you want to connect with us, uh, my website is uh, freedomwithintherapy.com. You can reach me on Twitter at vet underscore therapists and at Facebook at, at Freedom Within Therapy. And if you want to support the North Shore Braves at North Shore Braves on Facebook. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. And you have a good day. Now, right?